This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. A culture statement, and then I want to take a few minutes to kind of look at a couple of scriptures, and then I want us to meditate on those things and respond to those things. Here's what I hope for this church. And here's what I declare as a, as a culture statement, if you will. We, I, we need to value Scripture highly. We need a high value for God's Word, and we need a deep dependence on God's Spirit. Let me say that again. We need a high value for God's Word and a deep dependence on God's spirit. The reason why I say this is because I believe you cannot, and I hope to show you this in scripture, you cannot have words without breath. You can't talk if you don't have breath. And the reason why God's word has come to us with such authority is because it comes through his breath. And his breath, the Bible shows us, is his spirit. That when God speaks, he speaks by his spirit. And when he reveals to us his word, it also shows us how deeply we need his spirit. What I'm hoping to do in this is to show that we need his word and we need his spirit. And one without the other does not function. It doesn't function. Let's look at John chapter 14. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 21 but I, I, I'm going to kind of just give an overview of what happened before that. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14, what you'll see if you go back and study this is Jesus says he's going to go. He says to his disciples that they shouldn't let their hearts be troubled, that he's going to go and prepare a place for them. And, and one of the disciples says, Lord, can you show us the way to this place that you're preparing? And he says to Thomas, he says to him, I'm the way. I'm the way. No one goes to the Father except through me. So he's saying, I'm going to go prepare a place. And they say, well, show us how to get there. And he says, well, I'm the way to the Father, that no one can come to the Father except through me. And so Philip then follows up that conversation by saying, well, if Jesus, if you could just show us the Father, that would be amazing. And Jesus says, how long do I have to be with you? And he says, no one. No one. I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he says. If you, 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 you see me, you see the Father. The Father has sent me. I'm in my Father. You cannot separate Jesus from his Father. What he's saying is, I'm the way to my Father. He says, show us the Father. He's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What you see the disciples doing, and here's what I'm kind of hoping we can see that we try to do, is what we 
what they're doing is separating the Trinity. They're making the Father separate from the Son, the Son separate from the Spirit. Although they have different personalities, the Bible speaks of this mystery of the Trinity. They're trying to separate and say, take us to the Father. He's saying, no, you see me truly. Whoever believes in me and the works that they're going to do greater things and the Father's going to give them something. and And then he goes into verse 15. After this, this disciple's trying to separate, and he's telling them that he's going to go away, and they're trying to separate. They're saying, take us to the Father, show us the Father. He's saying, look, I'm the way. I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can't separate us. Verse 15, he says to them, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That sounds like a very heavy truth thing, Right? That sounds like a very heavy truth thing. Listen, if you love me, you keep my commandments. There's an undeniable truth here that is hard for us to swallow. That your love for God is directly connected to your obedience. You can't can't disconnect that. Now, as a father, that's an easy statement for me to say. As a child, that's hard to swallow. Let me explain that. I have five kids. I won't sell any of them out, but I'm going to give examples. Each one of them is very different. Some of them are in the room right now. You know I'm talking about you. Take notes, right? (laughs) But the reality of this, each kid responds to my correction very differently. One of them I speak to who's super smart, and you know he knows everything, right? He probably knows more than I do. And every time I say, son, just an example, go clean your room. He says, I know, I know, I know. I mean, before I can get it out, he knows what I'm about to tell him to do. And he tells me he knows. The frustration then becomes, if you know, why aren't you doing it? Because if you really knew, you would do it. So you don't know. Yes, I know. Then go do it. Okay, I know. I'm going to do it. Chill out. (laughs) So the knowledge of what I wanted him to do still did not empower him to do it. Then there's another kid that I have, very affectionate, daughter of mine, young, but has learned to play my heartstrings and thinks she can control me by her passion for me. I'll say, go clean your room, and she will look at me with the most beautiful eyes and say, Daddy, I love you. (laughs) I love you too. Now go clean your room. I love you so much, Daddy. I just want to tell you I love you, you know. (laughs) If you love me, obey me. (laughs) Go clean your room. You can see there's two different approaches to this. One is I know I should obey, but I can't. The other is I love you, and it's not connected to my obedience. The reality is this is how we connect ourselves to God, that that knowing his commands is a very fearful thing. And here's, here's the reason why. If you know God's commands and you say you know it, you're constantly left in a place of feeling that inability to actually obey it. That's how I felt for so often. I knew God's word. I was raised in God's word. I was told God's word, but I could never live up to God's word. I knew it. 
So I would have to put on shows. I would have to put on demonstration. I would have to put, I'd have to try to make myself feel better, but I constantly knew I was falling short. And then there's another crew of people that you can see very much have a very romantic relationship with God, constantly telling them how much they love them. I think that's what love means. It doesn't lead them to obedience. And what he clearly states here is that your love for me is directly connected to my obedience and then the next verses if you were just to stop in 15 you would leave if you're a child of God you would leave feeling completely helpless because once we hear obey my commands you're either going to go daddy I love you or you're going to go I know But both of us is going to leave us in a place where we don't know what to do. And this is why Jesus comes right after he says, my father and I are one. And as the father has sent me, and when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Here's what he says in verse 16. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and you and, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet, little, yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me and because I live, you will also live. And in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Look at what, look at what he does here. He first says, if you love me, you will obey me. And then without a skip, he tells us that your love is directly connected to your obedience, but your obedience is directly connected to your need of a helper to do it you see what ends up happening is he says the way the father sent me and the father sent him by the spirit I send you he sends us with and by the spirit that he knows he can't just tell us obey him That's what the old covenant shows us. The old covenant shows us that he can show us through his commands, his character, but he can't give us his character through his commands. He can show us who he is by his commands, but he can't make us light. And that's why the new covenant is so beautiful. It's what Christ has done to forgive us and bring us back into right relationship with God. Not through the law, but by grace. And the beauty of grace is that now we don't just see the law on tablets, but Jesus has unzipped us, and by his spirit he gives inside of us and lives out his character through us which gives us great hope as children and which shows us that he's not just saying, obey me. He's saying, if you love me, you're going to obey me. And as a child, we say, I need help. And he says, I'm going to send a helper. The Father will send a helper and he's going to be with you. He's going to be with you always. And here's what he shows us. You see, what what the children of God in the Old Testament thought is that what made them his children was his laws. 
But what new covenant, what the people of God believe and see through the gospel is it's not his law that makes us his children. What makes us his children is his spirit. This is what he shows us. I am not going to leave you alone. The world will not know this and the world will not see his spirit. But what makes us his children and what makes us unique according to John chapter 14 is that his spirit is in us and empowering us and, and, and not leaving us alone. This is great hope for us because we know that we need his spirit. Now, I want to do two things, and I'm going to do this quickly. I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I want us to see why we need the word. And I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to preach on this long, but I'm, I, I'm just going to drop statements on you, if you will, and, and hopefully you'll be able to go wrestle with these things both personally and then we as a church will wrestle with these things together. But look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just going to read this because of how powerful it is, and I know it's a lot of scripture, but I hope that you see where I'm going. Here's why we need the ministry of the word of God. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. For among those who creep into the household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Here's what I want you to see. He shows us what it's going to look like in the last days. And it's very, very interesting because I think we could start to see these kinds of pictures. He's, he's showing us that there's going to be all this kind of rebellious people who are living by their passions. They're living by their desires. They're lovers of self. They're lovers of money. They're ungrateful. They're heartless. They're unpleased. They're slanderous. They're out self-control. All of these kinds of things. But then in the next verses, he shows us that there's also those who have a religious sense but they're led by not the spirit they're led by their own passions they're those who have an appearance of godliness but they actually don't have any power And those are the ones that creep into the household of God and prey on the weak. Those who are led by their emotions. They love to come in. And as the scripture says, they love to prey on the most vulnerable and lead them towards their passions and lead them towards their instability and lead them away from Christ by pointing them to those passions rather than the knowledge of truth. And this is why now Paul, looking at his son in the ministry, Timothy, in verse, seven, in verse 10, says this. However, 
and however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and suffering and happened to be in Antioch. Skip down because we're running out of time. Look at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. There's scripture which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Now look at verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out. There's the Spirit-inspired Scripture. Breathed out. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The reason why I wanted us to see this is because I want us to understand this. In a world that is led by their passions, a world that's led by their rebellious passions and their religious passions and their religious motivations to show a form of godliness but with no power to lead people away by their passions. In a world of people that are claiming that they're speaking for God but they're not saying anything that is acquainted to his character or scripture, what Paul does for Timothy is says, you need to hold fast to the teachings of scripture. You need to hold fast to it because this is what will keep you on this foundation and it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training and for righteousness and if you want to be equipped to stand, you need to know and understand and love scripture. Church, I I can't say this enough. I could make this argument over and over again. Without scripture, we would be left to the passions of people. We need this foundation. We need it. And it is a gift from God that we need to value highly. But what we have to see in verse 16 is that scripture is breathed. That word breath is this word that that shows us that the spirit is the one who even makes alive to us scripture. We wouldn't even understand what scripture is. We couldn't even understand because it's breathed by God that the apostles wouldn't even have been able to write it if it wasn't for the spirit's inspiration. So we need to also know that not only do we need this foundation of of the word of God, the inspired word of God, but we need his spirit. We need to be desperately dependent upon his spirit. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put some things up on the screen. On the city this week, I'm going to put this whole list and challenge you guys to read through these and pray and ask God to show you. Because here's what I want to say. I believe that many of us, because we teach through the Bible here, you can see the emphasis we have on the scriptures. What I think can often be missed with us is that in the preaching of that, I am not assuming that just because I preach the Bible, you're going to be able to live just with that knowledge on your own. The deeper I've gotten to understand, the more I've understood Scripture, the more I become dependent on the ministry and the work of the Spirit in my life. So let me give you these things. Here's what the Bible shows us, and we'll have them up there. He, the Spirit ministers to you the new birth into God's family, the kingdom. Here's what you need to know. You would not have been a child of God if it wasn't for the Spirit birthing you into the family of God. 
1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, he baptizes you into Christ's body, the church. You could not be a part of the people of God. 1 Corinthians shows us if it wasn't the spirit that brought us into the family of God. He ministers spiritual life to us on a daily process. Here's what I, here's what I want you to hear. That the reading of God's word is profitable and it's good for correction and proof. But when you understand who is the one who grows us and equips us and empowers us to grow on a daily process, Scripture shows us that it's the Spirit's ongoing work in our life that empowers us to grow as followers of Christ. The ministry of spiritual life, he confirms our relationship with the Lord. So often I see people who are leaning on their how much they read, how much they do, how much they, as, as the foundation for whether or not they're solid followers of Christ. Man, I have read my Bible, so I'm really on point with Jesus. And I haven't read my Bible, so I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of slacking right now. They seek confirmation in how much they read Scripture. Now listen, I think reading Scripture is good. I think it's an evidence of salvation. But it's the Spirit that confirms in the heart of His children if they are His. We need God's spirit to confirm, to, to encourage, to show us. And scripture shows us that he confirms our relationship with the Lord. The other thing is he ministers spiritual life to you in a daily process. That's John. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I read that one. He reveals Jesus Christ to us here. John shows us in two, two different places that we wouldn't even know Jesus if the spirit didn't show him to us. The next thing is this, he teaches us and leads us into all truth. The next thing is he guides and directs our daily lives. I love this. As a child of God, we are led by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. We follow the Spirit. He reveals to us the things that are coming. He leads us and he, he leads us to be witnesses in the world. Without the Spirit, we don't even have this ongoing life and work. We need his Spirit for daily life. The other thing I love is that his spirit grows us. He's the one who causes us to mature. The Bible says he bears fruit in us. He kills our flesh. How many of us have tried to kill our own flesh? But it is the spirit that mortifies the flesh. The spirit who leads us into holiness. The spirit who gives us hope in the righteousness of God through faith. He empowers us with gifts of ministry. This is where many people get really spooked out because they see people misusing it and calling it the Spirit. And I will say this, that this is at the point where we start to go, well, this is the part I don't, I don't think it still operates. But I, I'm going to tell you this. When you see a community who's really submitted to the Word of God and filled with the Spirit, it's a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ by the Spirit ministering to each other. The other thing is he ministers comfort to us. He provides communion with the Father. The other thing which I believe and I see on a daily basis is he's the one who unifies us together. He brings his people together. He brings his people into unity with one another. If it was based on our backgrounds, our races, if it was based on our different philosophies and points of view, we couldn't find a place of unity. But if it's by the Spirit, we can come together as one people. Those are big statements, ones that I could teach on forever. That's why I'm saying these are just culture statements. 
ones that I hope cause you to say, this week I want to I learn more about this. But today what I'm hoping for is that I can say, here's what we want to be as a church. Not as one that says, hey, we always do it right, but one that says, here's what we're longing for. We want to walk into this place. We want to, as a community, value highly the word of God. But as we highly value the word of God, we don't want it to go to a place of just mere knowledge. We want it to lead us to a place of deep dependence on his spirit. As the band begins to play, I'm going to read just a couple of things that the Lord has put on my heart to call us to a place of repentance. Each one of us may connect with one of these things, but as a community, I pray that we will embrace these and, and ask God to help us. I think we have areas that we should and, and believe as elders and leaders that we can and need to repent in. And for some of us, we need to repent of a very low view of Scripture. Often we put man's words over God's words. Because of fear of man, we're afraid to discern. But there should be no higher authority and accountability. And, and hear me on this. The Spirit is not restricted by God's Word. The Spirit has much unity and freedom. It's, it's us that feels restricted often by, by God's Word. So let's repent if we have a very low view of Scripture. Let it be elevated highly in our hearts and minds. But when we do that, let's not put much, let's repent if we put much faith in our abilities. That we think that I know this so I should be able to do this. Some of you are struggling deeply with this because you may know what God wants you to do, but the deepest struggle is you're like, I can't do it. Ask for the Spirit. He's not asking you to do something that He's meaning for you to do alone. He's saying, I've given you a helper. Depend upon, lean on the Spirit. Some of us may need to repent of trying to pit God even against himself. I mean, Jesus against the Spirit or however that would be. Listen, they are in complete unity and cannot be divided. There is perfect harmony and unity in the Godhead. We, as his people, should find great joy and freedom in that. As a word of warning, as your pastor, I would say this, though. Learn and grow. Be patient with each other. As we seek to leave these things out, live in unity with others by the Spirit of God. The last thing I would say is this. I know that this sermon falls really short, but I, here's the greatest encouragement that I could give to you. If either one of these you're thinking, man, I, I don't... I, I, I have a hard time connecting to Scripture. I'm really, I really want to grow in that, but I, I feel like I'm not smart enough. I feel like I, I'm always falling short. 
hear me on this. Ask somebody to sit with you, to love you, to teach you, to walk, to, to help you to study. Ask somebody. Seek discipleship. Help others. Those of you who may have a grasp on learning scripture, put yourselves out there and, and teach others. Like Paul, who, who, who exhorts Timothy, saying, hold fast to this. We need people in our lives who can help us in these areas. And maybe you're saying, I don't know what it looks like to live by the Spirit. This week, my brother Caleb and I had a big conversation. He says, man, I'm really wanting to learn what it means to have a life-on-life, Spirit-to-Spirit connection with Christ. I want to know what that personal relationship by the Spirit looks like. And I want to grow in that. And we were able to have a long conversation. Ask somebody to pray with you. Ask somebody to walk alongside with you. To point you to his word. To point you to his spirit. We need the family of God. The spirit of God gives us each other as gifts. Today as we come to the table... And we sing these songs. I'm going to ask us to do two things. One is the table is open. And, and, and I want to use this as just an example. When you come to the table and just eat and drink, it's just a ritual. But when the Spirit makes these things alive and you realize that you're drinking and eating of the body and blood of Jesus and you're communing with the very flesh and the blood of Jesus, it brings these elements to life. It takes just the simple juice and crackers and makes it communion and fellowship. Come by the Spirit, asking, asking His Spirit to reveal to you who Jesus is. That's, that's His role. Fellowship, commune, sing. The other thing that we were able to do in the last service, I encourage you to do while they're singing. Maybe there's somebody next to you or somebody across the room that you want to pray with and talk to and say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you help me in this area? Maybe something later you want to talk to. Go do that now if you want to. Have a little conversation and prayer. Maybe there's some people around you while you're taking communion. You want to pray together. These last 20 minutes, we're just going to sing. We're going to take communion. We're going to pray. And I'm going to pray that the Spirit would come. He's here with us, but that he would be made known and clear that he'd come and he'd illuminate these things to us and draw us into deeper intimacy with Christ, that we would have a deeper dependence on him and a high value of his word. Let's pray. God, this is something that I, as a pastor, something that I know there's many in this room have a, a deep burden for. As elders, we, we care for this. We want the people of this congregation to love and value Scripture. We have found great freedom in, in this gift you've given to us, that you revealed to us, Jesus. We've been corrected and reproved. We've been trained. We've, we've learned from your word. But God, we thank you that you have not left us alone. We need your Holy Spirit for all for birth into your family for communion with your family for life in Christ for reaching out to others around us for living the life you've called us to for ministering to one another with the gifts you've given to us all the things that you've given we want to value your word highly but we need and desperately need to be marked by your spirit. Help us today as we sing and fellowship and pray and eat and drink.
that your spirit would make these words alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, the church said it.